it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. We are recording this at uh, 9.13 p.m. on August 25th. The Mets are currently losing 3-2 to the Giants. And it's been just a really insanely bad month for the Mets. Uh, We're going to talk next week about specifics like how bad this month is in the context of the Mets history, but it's been a real bad one. And since we last recorded, the Mets have won one game. That was Sunday night against the uh, Dodgers. They looked very good in the Sunday night game. They had Monday off. And then Tuesday, they got blown out of the water by the Giants. And I know it's too early because they're still kind of close to the division lead, blah, blah, blah. But do you feel, Chris, like this is the... This is sort of the death throes of the 2021 season for the Mets. Yes. All right. We'll see you next week, folks. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, the way, and I, I tweeted something out from the Amazing Avenue account with with a screenshot from it, um, somewhat recently, but just the Baseball Reference log, the uh, schedule and results tab. Mm-hmm. For the 2021 Mets, uh, there's just something about uh, baseball reference that, that's comfortable and charming, and uh, that basic layout that looks like it's left over from I don't know, I don't know. The, the late 90s might be a, a little bit too early, but let's call it 2006, 2005, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, that works. So th- there's something comforting about that presentation of things um, sort of reminds me as a kid doing uh, my dad worked for FedEx and, you know, he would run the uh, NCAA pool. Okay. At, at, you know, at his location and I would help at home. And, and I remember there was a point that we transitioned to software that, that, Obviously, I led the charge on to <laughs> help tabulate. But before that, uh, it was, you know, uh, I forget what type of paper, but like those big yellow notepads and then like hand drawn spread, uh, you know, sheet basically. And then you'd have all the entries and, and go through the sheets and tabulate wins and losses. Um, so my point being, I guess there's some nostalgia there for me. Uh, in in this basic layout 
uh, of baseball reference. But when you look and you just go down that list, you know, and, and they've got the divider there for every month, you go down the column and it's L-L-L-W-L-L-L-L-W-W-L-L-L-L-W-L-L-W-L-L-W-L-L-W-L-L-W-L-L-W-L-L-W-L-L-W-L-L-W-L-L-W-L-L-W-L-L-W-L-L-
it's just still been such a strange year. Um, I, I, I've been happy with my own decisions as a fan, <clears throat> but now, uh, you know, it's the baseball that's keeping me from wanting to go to a game. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there might not still be other concerns with the, the state of the world. Uh, but you know, it's just the Mets come home off that road trip and, uh, I, I, Hey, a lot of credit to the people who either had tickets and still went to see these games with the way they're playing right now, or to people who decided to go, um, <clears throat> maybe in part because there were cheap tickets available. I, I didn't even look, I don't know. Um, our, our friend Jack McClune is at the game tonight. And I, I don't know if it was on Twitter or Instagram. He just said like, I'm going to regret this. <laughs> and I, I feel like that's a pretty, that's a pretty fair assessment of, uh, of where we are right now. Yeah, and sometimes, uh, I, and, and this kind of mindset doesn't necessarily work when a team's been in first place for a long time and then then just absolutely falls apart. But sometimes when the Mets are bad, we've also gotten to watch some cool individual things. And if Degrom had been healthy all year. Uh, without any, uh, maybe a, like one hiccup, you know. But if, if he had been pitching regularly uh, from opening day in, until now, uh, and we know how good he has been when he when he was healthy earlier in the year, um, that can still be exciting. You know, that Jacob deGrom with 100, even 160 innings um, is a Cy Young winner. Um and it gives you something to hold on to even when the team falls apart. And we don't even have that right now. Um, uh, lesser achievements wouldn't be quite as special as that, especially for a guy going for his third uh, Cy Young Award. But, yeah, yeah, there's just not there's not a lot. I, if I'm trying to be optimistic... It, if anything could maybe give the team a little bit of life, it would be Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor coming off the injured list. Um, and maybe they still will that those things have just happened. Uh, the Mets have this game that we're podcasting during isn't over yet. It just feels that way. <laughs> right. Right. But, <laughs> but they are one and one since Baez came back. Um, you know, not that that's anything special. Just we need a little more time to see if those two players can have a drastic impact on on the course of this season. Uh, but I don't know. Baseball is weird like this when when you when a team is this bad, it just seems like it's it's one of the hardest sports to snap out of that. Yes, yes. Um, like I, I feel like I've seen hockey teams have brutal stretches and then still be able to recover and make the playoffs. And I don't know. This is something that um, maybe we'll have to look up before we talk about the worst months that we can remember. Um, how many how many teams in baseball have had a sub three hundred winning percentage in a in, in a calendar month? After being in first place for ninety days, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Either either that or how many have done that and made the postseason. Um, right. And this I also the list is short. <laughs> yes, this also makes the sort of uh, frustrating close losses in April and May sting even more because we felt so many times like the team had a chance to really go on runs and they never really went on a big run earlier this season. And if they had done that, then they would have had more of a cushion for when the slide happened. But because the team never really put together a big winning streak and then the team hit this giant slide, there's just no there's no safety out there for them whatsoever. Um, you, know, you were mentioning Baez and Lindor coming off the aisle, and I think that is a, a big step. We should also mention Jacob deGrom will resume throwing now. For what purpose, I, I really don't know. Um, but, you know... 
it is what it is. It'll be nice to see Jake pitch. Noah Syndergaard starts his rehab assignment in Brooklyn tomorrow. So those will be little signs of life for this team. Is it going to be enough? I personally don't think it is. I think for this team to have any shot at the playoffs, first of all, they have to start hitting anything. You know, they're just they're just not hitting anything at all right now. They're they're a totally offensive, offensively incapable team. If they can hit a little bit, and then the Braves and the Phillies need to hit a slide. That's, that's just the way it is. And so I, I, I don't know. I don't feel very confident about this team. And we have lots of thoughts on the postseason. We'll get to that at some point uh, in the postseason. But I, I think there's a lot of decisions this, this club has to make. And I don't envy the folks making those decisions because I, I, I don't know what I would do in these circumstances. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We should talk, though, about uh, this weekend's festivities, which is the number retirement of Jerry Kuzman. Jerry Kuzman is arguably the fourth or fifth most important pitcher in Mets history. He came up in 1967 and had a, a lackluster uh, first couple of appearances in his, I guess his first uh, his first nine games as a Met. After that, he pitched from 1967 until 1985. Aside from that first nine-game stretch in 67, he never had an ERA that approached a five. His highest was a 4.77. He got Cy Young votes in uh, two different seasons. He was a two-time All-Star. He had MVP votes in three different seasons. He came in second Rookie of the Year in 1968. He is the owner of a lifetime 3.36 ERA. Pitching wins don't matter, but he won 222 games. If you look at ERA+, plus, he had an ERA plus of 110 across his career, which does not sound all that good. But if you look at the most important years he had for the Mets, from 68 to 73, his ERA plus was 145, 160, 128, 112, 81, and then 128. He only had two seasons as a Met after that first one with an ERA plus under 100. He is just, he's a cornerstone of this franchise. And it seems like almost any other team in baseball would have retired his number long ago. But the Mets are very stingy with their retirement numbers, which we had a great point counterpoint piece about that earlier this week from our friends Allison McCaig and Michael Drago. But, you know, I don't know if... Um, I don't know if you agree that Kuzma's number should have been retired long ago, but to me this seems like a, a long overdue honor, and thank God they're doing it while he's still alive to uh, to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, obviously... His, uh, his his work was a little before my time. Um, he, he was a Philly for the last couple of years of his career when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you were watching the 1985 Phillies too closely, though. No, no. I know I was in a high chair uh, for the 1986 Mets. Okay. You know, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't have any memories yet at that point, but I know that I did watch the Mets win a World Series. That is a thing that has happened even though I don't know that. <laughs> yeah, my dad was, my dad was at game 7, so I presume my mom had it on in the house like just because he was there. So I presume I was in front of the TV when they won game 7 too, but I really don't know. I should ask her that. Um but yeah, so anyway, you were saying. Well, yeah, no, it, but 
I mean, I think all your points are, are, are good there. Um, <clears throat> I, I do... I at least understand when people are like, oh, I don't want to overdo it with number retirement. So, um, you know, that, that was more Michael's side of that that piece that he and Allison wrote together. But there are some obvious ones that just should happen. And I do think longevity with a franchise is kind of an important piece of it. Um, you know, in the case of like Mike Piazza, he was just so good. And he and he was a Met for for quite a while. You know, yes. It's not like he came in for just a couple of seasons and was awesome, and and then that was that. Um, I think seven full seasons Piazza had with the Mets, something like that. Yeah, but it, and that that is a significant amount of time. Um, some baseball careers aren't much longer than that, right? Um, but I, I do think that. <clears throat> component of it is important um i don't know that i'd necessarily set a specific threshold but either way uh, kuzman obviously was a met for a very long time um not only that he was part of the first mets team that mattered yes for people who were mets fans from the beginning tom siever and jerry kuzman were the guys that signaled the franchise going from something laughable to World Series champions a couple of years later, you know? And so I think for people who remember him from that era, there is that extra component that you and I don't have in our in our memories, but I think are, is plainly obvious when talking... When you hear Gary Cohen talk about Jerry Kuzman, you know, it, it's to me, people like Gary, Howie, folks that were Mets fans for their, you know, for the majority of the team's existence or the entirety of the team's existence, they place Kuzman so high reverence-wise that I, I don't see how you can deny how people... We can't deny today how people felt about Kuzman in 68 and 69. Yeah. And it's... uh, I mean, look. It's Johnny Bench. So I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to come off as like... A uh, sore loser Mets fan here, but I don't know. I think statistically, uh, I, I did not get to watch any of them, but I do think relative to what they were doing, Kuzman's season in '68, uh, and he he finished just behind Bench for Rookie of the Year. Um, but statistically, you look at it, and I I, I feel like what Kuzman did was more impressive—a 2.08 ERA over 263 and two thirds innings. And yeah, I know the era was different, mm-hmm. um, but damn, that's pretty good. Uh, 178 strikeouts to 69 walks, more than 100 more strikeouts than walks. You know, yeah, yeah. It, I, I agree with you. And like, yeah. like I said before, I'm just I'm so thankful that Kuzman's alive for this because we tend to, as a society, give people their flowers too late sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad he's going to be there this weekend to soak this all up. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that is that is good. And between the, the Mets Hall of Fame event that they, they – oh, no, that was Matt Lack. Sorry. Yes. Um, mixing up my old Mets pitchers. <laughs> but, yeah, I did just one other thing on that second-place finish in that Rookie of the Year vote. Uh, in Jacob DeGrom's Rookie of the Year season, he had uh, 2.69 ERA – and a 128 ERA plus and deserved every bit of that award to be clear. But Kuzman went out and had like one of the better pitching seasons of his time. Um, so it's weird to look back and, and say like, Oh, and like you said, he got Cy Young votes a couple times. And the next season was even better. A couple times. <laughs> and, and you know, but he's, he's only a two time all-star. I don't know. For a couple of guys who like music that is like a notch or two below the most popular stuff, <laughs> I think it's only appropriate. I, I feel like I, I need to take a deeper dive and, and become a full appreciator of, of Kuzman um, more so than, than I already am. I think that's a fair challenge for both of us, actually. I wish that MLB.TV had better archives. 
I wish we could pull up some starts from 68 and watch those games. Oh, yeah. Especially last year when we were yes. doing watch an old game and gather digitally, virtually, and, and just consume something to, to try to to try to get something out of it and watch games that either we had seen but forgotten or, you know, obviously I hope we're not in exactly that kind of situation again. But, yeah. In the There's off no, season, it'll be great to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there, there is no excuse. I, look, I know that there's a lot of old stuff out there that was just taped over. So I know that's part of it. But I am sure MLB has more than they released to us. Yes. Yes, like, I There's agree. no way that they don't have recordings that are just sitting there that nobody ever gets to watch. And what is the point of that? Yeah. I would love to be able and like SNY. I mean, I I actually I did a market research for SNY back in like 06 or 07 where they were asking people what they wanted SNY to show, and I had said that they should do not like I know the Yes Network does the Yankeeography where it's like a, a biography, but I was saying they should do like Nolan Ryan week in the off season where they just show five Nolan Ryan games, the the, the five best starts they have video of. And just show those because for people my age, we never saw those games. We maybe never even saw highlights. Like I, you know, everyone in the world who watches baseball in 2021 has seen Kirk Gibson's home run from the '88 World Series. That's a highlight that gets played all the time. You've probably seen Ron Swoboda's catch from the '69 World Series. Aside from a couple of things like that, though, I can't think of many Mets highlights from the '60s and '70s that are as ubiquitous as the highlights from today, but they have to exist out there. Give us those games, please, folks. Please. Um, I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball here, Chris. Sure. Are Who is the next Mets player who should have their number retired? Oh, well, David Wright. <laughs> that, that's the easy answer. Do you have, I someone, do you have someone besides Wright? I, I think Wright is the answer. I, I think that Wright is to current fans the way Seaver and Kuzman are to older fans mm -hmm. where although the Mets had bad teams in the 90s those early 2000s teams after the World Series just felt like to me that's when LOL Mets really started and Wright was able to be the shepherd out of that and so I think that he is incredibly important so yes he gets retired and I agree is there someone else besides him that you would advocate for or is that is that as low as you want the threshold to go for Mets? Um, it's tough. I mean, on a, on a selfish note, I don't want them to retire 17 because every time a new guy wears it, Gary Cohen gives Keith Hernandez a hard time and it's very entertaining. <laughs> yes, it is. So between his, his playing and broadcasting legacies with, uh, with the team, I think he absolutely deserves to have that number retired. But I'd rather hear Gary give him a hard time. <laughs> Maybe um, when he retires from the booth. Would, uh, I hope he never does. Yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> when he drops dead in the booth at 106. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, okay. All right. I, I, I hope, I sincerely hope that we get to hear stories from Keith Hernandez when he's 106. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, but it, the the history of the franchise is imperfect, right? So, in a way, I think if if a player maybe was imperfect, that shouldn't necessarily rule him out for having his number retired. Right. There has been no Mets dynasty. Um, there's there's not, you know, there's not an era where you go, oh, that 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 guy led them to three or four World Series titles um but i also think when this stuff comes up the the yankees are on the mind and i don't think they have to be uh, obviously they've retired a lot of numbers of their own many of them from a very long time ago um again not to sound like a sore loser bitter mets fan but it's a lot easier to win 27 world series when you exist for decades more than most of the teams that have been around yes, in, that exist now. Um, but look, they were a powerhouse team that, that just dominated the sport and, and has had runs of dominance 
since the significant expansion of Major League Baseball. But a lot of their retired numbers are older, and I think that just kind of, I don't know, sets a weird standard that, oh, the Mets should... I, the Met, what the Mets do with their number of retirements should not have anything to do with the Yankees' history and legacy. You know that that right. half the Yankees retired numbers. And I'm making this up, but I've been to enough games in the Yankee, uh, the various Yankee stadiums. Um, half of those numbers are retired from a very long time ago, and I don't know. There's nothing wrong with taking up a few more. Um, numbers that can't be assigned and the Mets would really have to go overboard before the whole team was wearing like 72 and 89 and things like that. Um, I mean, hell I, my first AOL screen name was Mets 1313 for Edgardo Alfonso. If they said tomorrow (laughs) that they were going to retire 13 for Fonzie, I'd be like, yep. Sign me up. Yeah. So it. who cares? It, it, that was great. I, I have a connection to that and you can retire his number if you want. Um, I, it, I guess my, this has been a very long winded answer, but <laughs> I guess my thought is if you want to expand it a little bit, that's okay. Not everybody has to be David Wright. You could do a series of them for the next year. I don't know, two, three, four years. And if you're going to do it, maybe take one more player from that 90s, late 90s era team. Uh, take one more player from the 86. There's, you know. there's no players from 86. That, that was going to be my point, is mm. that arguably the best season in Mets history, there is not a single retired number from that team. Right. Well, yeah, it's – I mean, the fact that until Piazza there was only one player with his number retired was, was just sort of like – can we take a little bit of pride in the, the good moments that this team has had? Right. right. I mean, to so, me, I, I, I'm with you. I think every era needs to be represented up there, kind of. And so I think with Kuzman and, Kuzman and Seaver, you can kind of say, okay, those are the, clearly the two guys from the 69 through 73 era. Right? Those are the two key players. I think you maybe put Doc Gooden and, 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 Mike, and uh, Keith Hernandez up there. I would say maybe you put Gary Carter. He made the Hall of Fame. He was the only player that I think made the Hall of Fame not as a Met that you could have made a really good case from going in as a Met. And so I think for that reason, maybe Gary Carter's number gets retired. So maybe you do Doc and Gary now. Mm-hmm. I would say um, Fonzie is 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 maybe a bridge too far for me. I love Fonzie. But oh, I don't, yeah. But I don't know who else you put from that late... 90s early aughts era i don't think al Leiter is necessarily the guy and no one else played that well for that long they had a lot of lightning in a bottle guys during that era so i'm actually okay if that's the piazza era but i think when you retire Wright's number that for now that closes the book on sort of the modern era too i think i think if you have two from 86 and then you have Wright, you can look at that and say okay that represents the best era that represents the best of the best eras of the Mets. Not that you saying you can't, you can't expand that later, but I think if you have Wright, Seaver, Kuzman, Piazza, Doc, and Gary or Keith, I think then you have, you have more or less established the people who deserve to be on that wall. Is there anybody else you feel like you would need to add to that? Mm, no, I don't think so. I'm also surprised the team hasn't done stuff like retire the number 86, retire the number 69, and or, or make a bigger deal in the stadium of those things, I guess. Like I, I think it's kind of cheesy that the Cardinals have that whole wall of like they have, they have literal a wall of fame in their in their outfield right like with players faces on it and shit. I don't want the mess to do that, but I just feel like when you look at the inside of the ballpark, unless you're looking at the pennants, pennants, you're I don't know if they necessarily celebrate their past enough, and the numbers are just a part of that. 
Yeah. I don't know. All of this okay. is to say, congratulations, Gary <laughs> Kuzman. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, no, it's... Um, it'll be interesting to see... You know, you alluded to the the upcoming offseason before and, and what's that going to look like, especially if the rest of this regular season goes the way that uh, it's been going. But the Wilpons had sort of been pressured into doing a bit more for for Mets history. And, and still, for the record, uh, I think celebrating Jackie Robinson in, in the main entrance of the park is a perfectly great thing to do um i I have no issue with the the mets doing that i would have been fine with naming the ballpark after him um you know he he was a dodger but he was such a significant figure and 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 player in baseball Uh, in new york baseball in national league baseball in new york national league baseball yeah so yeah so that that to me has always been a weird thing for people to complain about but I did, you know, I, I, I liked that there was a little bit more Mets stuff brought into a, an otherwise very nice ballpark mm-hmm. um, after people had a bit of an outcry about it. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, Steve Cohen has so much money that he, <laughs> I, I forgot, we we learned what he spent on the, you know, the Mookie, the the Buckner ball mm-hmm. um, earlier this year. I forget what it was, but it was it was it's an insane much. amount of money. <laughs> yeah. right? It was it was a house somewhere. Yes. It was probably you know. both of our houses. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I I don't know if that speaks to a competitive spirit for wanting the object or just he has been a Mets fan for a long time. So there's some awareness of, of that. Um, I think this year, obviously so much of the focus was just trying to return to some type of normalcy with having a full season and, and having fans in the park at all. Um, and obviously he had just bought the team. 410,000, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I know that that's, it's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to see if he takes any further steps to uh, kind of dig into the Mets history and, and celebrate some things. Like, it's kind of insane that there hasn't been a Bernard Gilkey night. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Sure. It was one season that was just outstanding, and that was it. Lance Johnson. But like yeah, I like if those dudes are around, bring them to the park, and uh, I don't know. Maybe this goes to my minor league baseball roots, but the in between inning stuff, who cares? Like just just make it like why not show highlights of Bernard Gilkey between every inning in the ballpark and uh, have him there in person, and and have him. Uh, and they've done some of this stuff with like their ambassadors over the years, but you know, Oh, okay. We did a promo and here's Mookie Wilson. Here's Edgardo Alfonso. You know, like there's, uh, there's some charm in bringing back some of the, uh, you know, more one hit wonder type Mets players. And there's really nothing wrong with doing that. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll even take it a step further than that. There's no reason that the anniversary of the game every year that Frank Viola and Ron Darling aren't there to code throughout the first pitch for their like epic college game they had. Both guys are former Mets. It was an East Coast game. It's a cool little bit of Mets. It's a cool little bit of history, and both guys wound up playing for the team. Celebrate that. I don't. I don't think that. I don't understand why the Mets don't celebrate every little thing that the Mets can celebrate. Because there are years that there's nothing else to do. So celebrate that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you'll see the two of us there for Bernard Gilkey Day in 2028, or whenever that actually happens. <laughs> um, I do think it's interesting that Cohen is bringing back Banner Day, even though it's virtual Banner Day this year, which is bullshit. But right. 
Banner Day is one of those things that I think, again, is somewhat before our time, but was a very big part of Mets fandom for a long time. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad he's bringing back Banner Day. And uh, I know he's mentioned he wants to bring back the Mets old-timers game, which hasn't happened in years. I can't even remember the last time the Mets had an old-timers game. Um, did they have one in the 90s? I, I think know. they did. I think they did. But again, a long, long time ago. Uh, it was when that happened last, and again, like that, that, that is kind of a Yankees thing, but that's a really fun thing to me. I always enjoy the old timers game, so I, I would love them to bring that back. But I think Cohen has an opportunity to to do this stuff because, as much as the Wilpons were the owners of the team, they were never really Mets fans. It seemed, whereas Cohen was a Mets fan before he became the owner, and so I think that that is that's the difference here. Anyway, do you have a music pick for us, Chris? I do. Um, it is not a Wilco album, but we are recording on Jeff Tweedy's birthday. We are. Happy and, birthday, Jeff Tweedy. Yes, indeed. Um, and this is not the album that he made with this artist, but there's a connection because they've collaborated. Uh, and Mavis Staples, I, I, I thought I may have recommended this specific record before, but I, I didn't. Um, when I look back, the album that she made with Ben Harper. Uh, and again, this is not the album she made with Jeff Tweedy. But... She made two with Tweedy, right? At least. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but in 2019, she released Live in London. And it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, you know, this is this is a woman who, I guess, at the time she was 78 ish recording this and it is just as vibrant as anything you know i mean you wouldn't expect any less based on um, her recent studio recordings but still uh, it's just great and it's a mix of um you know some of her own songs uh, plenty of her own songs uh but there's a there's a cover of a, a Ben Harper's song on there. There's a cover of a Talking Heads song on there. She does Slippery uh, People, right? Yeah. And, you know, having both of us fairly recently recommended the uh, Funkadelic record, Maggot Brain. Can you get to that? Yep. That's on there, too. And it's all so good. Like, it, it, it's just a damn good live record. Um Every once in a while, like a, a good band or musician can make a live record that's just okay, but there are some times that like they're just special, um, and it, it's appropriate that there's a Talking Heads cover on here because the name of this band is Talking Heads is definitely my favorite thing to listen to from the Talking Heads. Um, so, in that spirit of live albums, I, I would say this is a damn good one. And just looking at the Spotify plays, can you get to that on on this, the Funkadelic cover? Mm -hmm. Um, Should have way more listens (laughs) than it does. It's like insane that it's not even close to the most listened song on the record. And and never mind where it compares to other stuff. And um, yeah, yeah. Give it a listen. Yeah. uh, I just want to note that while I am a huge Talking Heads fan as well, my favorite thing to listen to from Talking Heads is Stop Making Sense. So yeah. another live album, but, you know, slightly later down the road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, my pick is, so I, I have talked before about how scared I am that the AI in Spotify knows me as well as it does and can just find things, pluck them out of the ether that are perfect for me. But I... Uh, every Monday I listen to my Discover Weekly playlist and I don't look at who it is until the song is playing. So I never know what's coming next. And so there was a song that was called Jacqueline by a band called the Dorati Column. And I've never heard of this band before. And I, I was thinking, oh, this is a good, this this band sounds really great. The, it sounds like a, a brand new song. Let me check it out. It's from 1981. This band sounds impossibly <laughs> modern. I, the drum sound on this song sounds like what I'll call like the war on drugs drum sound, which is not like the 
it's not like it sounds like it's synthesized or anything, but just I could not believe how much this sounded like a modern record. And so I did a little digging, and this band has been around since the late 70s. They're not really active anymore, but they are certainly, they were active as of relatively recently. And the sound is sort of this like washy, ambient, but with drums and like a very loose, languid, almost like Daniel Lanois meets post-punk stuff. It's it's really hard to describe, but I, I again, I, I, I cannot emphasize enough how it sounds incredibly fresh to my ears, and it just blows, it blows me away that, I mean, I, 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 I don't mean to sound like a, like a, a, a shithead here, but I probably will. Like, I, I listen to a lot of music, and I've listened to a lot of music for a long time, and I can't believe there are still all of these bands that are so amazingly up my alley that I just have no idea about. I love it. It's the best part of the internet age that this stuff can, that I can be, that I can somehow avoid this stuff for the first almost 40 years of my life and then find it later and just be like, oh, fuck, this is really good. And it's, yeah. it's, it's really good. It's, uh, I instantly texted a friend of mine. I was like, you have to check this out. And he said, did they get the year wrong? On Spotify, I was like, no, I, I looked it up. This is actually from 1981. So the album is called LC. The band is the Derudi Column. And uh, I would start with that song, Jacqueline. If you like that song, I think you'll like what the rest of the album has to do. It's a, lo- a lot of it's instrumental, but there are some vocals in there. Really good guitar sounds, really good drum sounds. Just a very, very cool, interesting record from the year before I was born. And uh, on that note, thank you all for listening. Brandon Nimmo is up right now. I, I, my feed is probably behind yours, Chris. Is the game still going on? Yeah, for me, it is. Okay. We are, uh, there's two outs, three, two count, two men on base. Uh, I kind of feel like we can't stop recording until this at bat ends, but we'll see. Yeah, no. uh, so let, let's just talk for another minute here. Um, Lindor popped out, which is disappointing after Drury reached on an error and VR singled. Um, we should mention, I'm still doing the VR, uh, LR, ER of the day. Brandon Nimmo walks, bases loaded. Okay, we, we can't, we can't end the podcast with the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, uh, Jonathan VR is certainly, uh, running away with the LR, ER of the day competition, uh, for those that aren't keeping score at home. So, sorry, Kevin Pilar, but. Right. Yeah, no, it's, uh, VR has certainly maintained that bench mob vibe from earlier in the season well he, he also plays everywhere right so he's just played more he's just played all over the field and yeah. so that that's allowed him to to stay in here uh, where did he play tonight he played third tonight okay um but i yeah. will say just again I've, I've made this point about the mets black jerseys before but i i get that people like a throwback and all that and it's a divisive topic, so I'm not looking to change any minds on on the existing black jersey that was uh, reintroduced. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see something that was like just a bold black and orange, um, and it, it, that wouldn't even look exactly like the Giants, you know. But it, just like a black hat, jet black hat with a with an orange NY on it. Um, and, and invert those colors and maybe have hints of blue, but really just go all out black pants, uh, you know, all of that. And I, I wish I could see that instead of just revisiting the, the Jersey that I got sick of after a few years. And, <laughs> you know, at w- once the good times were over in that Piazza, Olerud, Fonzie, Ordonez, Ventura era, and no disrespect to all the other guys who were on that roster, but I don't know. The infield and, and Piazza were really the image of that team. Yes. It, once that era was over, I didn't need those jerseys to be around anymore. Yeah. My slight tweak to your all black with orange highlights is all blue with orange highlights because black isn't one of their fucking colors. Well, yeah. No, no. I, <laughs> I, I, I know it's not against you. I know you agree with me. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just being a troll here. Because yeah. they should be, they should wear blue and orange because they're good colors that no other teams really have in baseball. Uh, speaking of colors in baseball, I was, uh, 
at the supermarket, I guess it was two, three weeks ago, there was a guy wearing one of the, like, 2011 Miami Marlins jerseys, the first Marlins jerseys when they moved to Miami, that had 400 colors on it. How long oh, were yeah. they wearing those colors for? It mm. wasn't long, was it? I don't know. Two or three years? That was like the Heath Bell, right? Jose Reyes, yeah. Once. Yeah, Jose, Jose Reyes is a Marlin is a weird thing to remember. Yeah. Now, we, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, uh, is it weirder to remember him as a Marlin or as a Blue Jay? Or a Rocky, I, it, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Marlins and Rockies would definitely be the weirder ones. You know, the Blue Jay era would, was short, but it was just, you know, it, it was so immediate. Uh, you know, the, the, being that that was the transition out of uh, of being a Met. Or wait, no. No, he went to the Marlins first. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, mixing up fairly recent Mets history here. Not good. <laughs> he went to the Marlins. The Marlins traded him to the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays traded him to the Rockies. And the yes, Rockies released yes, yes, him yes. when he had, we had the DV incident and the Mets signed him. Right. I guess all of it. <laughs> All of it feels strange to remember on, on the baseball side of things. So um, if he didn't reveal himself to be a wife-beating piece of shit, I think he would have been the other number with right that you retire. Yeah. But I will they, not support they that They could have even had... Right. Yeah, no, no, no. But they could have had Sandy Alderson come out and give him a box of chocolates during the number retirement ceremony. <laughs> That's a reference. Yeah, I don't remember what team he went to first, but I remember the stupid quote. Uh, thank you to this week in Mets quotes. Yes, exactly. I do hope the Mets win this game, but God damn, this is taking. I am not one to complain. Oh no, oh no, I, I'm on a microphone and watching the Mets and complaining about how long a game is. Oh, <laughs> I've turned into Howie Rose. <laughs> I was going to say the next thing you're going to do is you're going to say that you're on Twitter. Uh, he used his thing used to be I'm on Twitter and no one will ever find me. Now his his thing is just complaining about being on Twitter. So you you, you want to throw some some Twitter complaints out there as well? Um, not yet. Mets Twitter is a unique experience. Yes, it we is. We should we should do an episode this uh, off season about Mets Twitter and and not like the stupid fucking tournaments that happen and all that stuff, but just I don't know bring in some guests from various corners of, of Mets Twitter and just try to try to get a, a sense of it all. And the Mets lost. All right. Game's thank over. You, thank you, Pete Alonzo for putting us out of, <laughs> yeah, out of our misery. A, a grand slam would have been nice. A game winning single would have been nice, but uh, I don't know The the Mets are at least freeing up some time for us on our calendars lately. Yes. So, Thank you for listening. AmazingAvenue.com for all your Mets needs. You can find the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever podcasts are found. Amazing Avenues on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. He's at Chris McShane. I'm at Brian Itzenap. Until next time, somehow, someway, let's go Mets.